0: It began a couple of, uh, over 2,000 years ago, and it was probably the start of a Thursday, which would have been just a normal day for Jesus. He enjoyed hanging out with his disciples. He wanted to uh, just have an opportunity to experience a day where those kinds of things were happening. And yet, at the, in that evening, for the next 24 hours, events happened that changed all of mankind. Thursday evening, he went to the Passover meal with his disciples. Brian's going to share with you about that next week. And while he was at the the Passover meal, he washed his disciples' feet. All these events took place. He left to pray with his father. So he withdrew from everybody. He took off. While he was away, he was arrested. When he was arrested, he was denied. A denial happened by one of his most trusted brothers in the Lord. He was put on trial. In fact, he went through trial after trial. And in those trials, he was wrongfully accused. Then he was mocked, and he was scorned, and he was beaten, and he was hung on a cross. And in 24 hours, his life was taken from him here on earth, and he was even separated from his, his beloved Heavenly Father. So it was in those 24 hours that uh, we see so many events happening, and in the days, a couple of days beyond that, We see that when the resurrection happened, the 24 hours that led to the cross, and then two days later when the resurrection came, it gave you and I the ability to believe in a life-changing individual who gives us forgiveness, who brings us victory over death, who's given us the chance to not experience guilt in a way that can drive some of us to a place in our lives where we can never overcome exactly what God wants us to to get through because we're so ridden with guilt. And I believe this morning that if you and I can look at that and we can see these last 24 hours, especially as we we build this series leading into Easter, we'll have a chance to, to really focus on Christ's purpose for you and I. The last 24 hours were amazing. One of the things that amazes me about Christ in these 24 hours was his ability to focus on God's will for what he had to do in and through him. And if you're like me at all, when I get stressed or crazy pressure or things going on or fast-paced lifestyle, sometimes the last thing I'm thinking about is the ability to um, see what God has for me and remember what He's got laid out in front of me—His will, His purpose, His opportunity to work in and through me. I'm worried about this day and what I'm doing and what I'm struggling with and the things that I I'm not really sure are going on. Plus. I kind of feel like some of us like to uh, arrange our schedules into an area where it's everything that makes us happy. It's like, I want to get into a a zone where I I don't experience the stress like I want to, so partially what I do is I kind of push some things out. Words like I, me, mine, myself all become very prevalent as I live my life. I try to make, I wrote this sentence, I try to make my life as enjoyable for me as I can. And you see that you catch all the words focused on me. So if Jesus was like us, he would have tried to take this part of his life, these last 24 hours, and somehow turn them into a way where he would feel better about himself. He wouldn't have to put up with what he knew was coming. The Passover meal. was an interesting one. Because when when they came together, they were celebrating the fact that God said to the nation of Israel, I am going to spare your firstborn in captivity and eventually give you freedom from the, the nation, and uh, the Egyptians, and the Pharaoh. And so if you remember with me, if there was an X placed on the doorpost, the angel would fly over and spare those families of losing their firstborn, and they were rejoicing. That was the Passover meal. That's what they celebrated. They celebrated God's deliverance. I've got to stop again and tell you that one of the things that impresses me, even as we come into this Easter season, is the, the Jews that are completed, that know Jesus as their Savior, how they celebrate what He's done for them. When was the last time you thought about something that God did for you and you celebrated it? You thanked Him. Some of it is very obvious, some of it is, is very evident, and you remember there's, there's milestones, there's markers, there's like the day of a year you go, I remember God six years ago or whatever. Some of us remember when we accepted Jesus as our Savior or when we came to a point in our life where we had to totally surrender Him, we, to Him. We remember those days. The other thing that the, the Passover celebrated was the coming Messiah and the opportunity to know that, that The days ahead would bring deliverance and joy. Jesus knew all this at at the meal that he was talking about. He knew everything that was going on, but he said nothing to them in a way that would allow them to catch on. I've said this before, but if there was a period of time in history that I'd like to have lived at, it would have been during the days of Jesus and the disciples. Because it was fascinating to me to watch this group of men see the miracles, hear the words, experience the love and and realized that that the the magnificent person that they were around changed their lives. And yet, just like me, they had doubts. And just like me, they didn't follow through. And just like me, they didn't have the ability to say, Jesus, I see you firsthand, and I'm not here to say I'm I'm with you and I'm, I'm doing the things you want me to do. They struggled. So in kind of an interesting way, it gave me hope. It gives me hope. Because I know that God allows my mistakes to be forgiven. And I'm not standing in front of you this morning saying that one of the greatest things about being a Christian is you can sin anytime you want. Come to the Monday Night Bible Study. We're studying Romans. Romans is a very focused book on sin. And it's interesting because that whole concept is one where Jesus tells us that His goal for us is to be free from our sin. Purification was a big thing in those days. And it's a big thing to us. You're watching this uh, interesting virus that's going through our world, and you're finding out different things. I was in uh, Wilsonville Costco yesterday. The lines to go through were back to the wall. I had no idea. So I asked somebody in line, I go, oh, they said it's the coronavirus. We're buying toilet paper and water, and it was gone. And and I go, nuts, I needed toilet paper and water. (laughs) So it it was very kind of them to take care of that for me. We, we we worry about all these purification things. They're telling you to wear masks. I, I heard one guy say, well, the best thing to do is just don't come in here. This is where you'll get it. If, you know, just don't put yourself in a crowd. So it's just kind of funny to, to hear all these uh, these interesting opinions. But purification in, in the day of, of Jesus, it was one where they wanted you to understand the importance of what it meant to be clean. I, I found this word called ablution. And uh, it means this, it's a ceremonial washing. It might be a of the person or part thereof, clothing, vessels, or furniture as a symbol of purification. And one of the things that they stressed was, you were supposed to be pure. More importantly, the priests were instructed, and I'll show you this, this ablution meant to them, and this next screen says, preparation for a special act of religious service. Before they entered into the service of the tabernacle, the priests were required under penalty of death to wash their hands and feet. For this purpose, a large basin of water always stood in readiness. It was called a laver. The hands and feet were two areas that continually got dirty. So to enter the presence of God, they needed to use this laver of water. These were the priests to clean themselves to better serve God. I see all kinds of parallels this morning about allowing God to clean us so we are better able to serve Him. Because there are things that stand in, in the way of seeing Christ and understanding what He wants to do. And by allowing Him to purify us, we begin to see through a clearer vision what it is He wants to do. How does He purify us? You know the verse, you hear me share it all the time, 1 John 1, nine. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. In order to enter into the presence of the Holy God, we have to be cleansed and purified and forgiven of our sins. And that's something I want you to, to think with me this morning as we build through this time in the Word. And we're going to, in just a minute, we're going to get to John 13. And we're going to read some things where we see an important part. But the Pharisees struggled in this area. One of the things they, they really focused on was guilt. And I think about guilt because as we, we understand purification and, and being cleansed and forgiven, that little word guilt pops up in our lives. When we're guilty, we can struggle to move forward with God's will for us. All of us understand guilt. Some of us choose to do nothing with it. Some choose to force those around us to experience the guilt we have, so we force it on you to tell you this is the way you're to live, when in actuality we've never dealt with the guilt that's inside of our hearts in our lives. Some let it dictate how they live, even to the place or the point of physical ailments as a result of living with guilt. We get so involved that we lose sight of God's will for our lives. How do you know God's will? And, and I, I probably in my years of ministry, that's a question that I've been asked so many times. And I always say there's four ways that you and I can discover God's will for our lives. So if you're wondering today, if you're sitting here looking at me and say, John, I don't know God's will for my life. I have four simple questions for you. Is it God's will that you know a Son, Jesus? Your answer is yes. Is it God's will that you pray and share your request with God? Yes. Is it, is it God's will that you have uh, the ability to... Worship with other believers, which is what we're doing today? And the answer is yes. Is it God's will that you share with those around you about His love? The answer is yes. Those are four simple ways to this. We're simply happy to live where we are and not really want to understand God's will. Four ways to start to understand His will. John 13, verses 1 to 17 this morning is where we're going to go. And I want you to see this, this passage. This is the first event of the 24 hours that we want to talk about. John 13. Let's start with verses 1-5. through 5. It says this, it was just before the Passover feast. Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. I jumped ahead, you're going to see a screen in just a minute. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. The evening meal was being served and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. And they had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Christ's perception is our first point this morning on the back of your bulletin. True humility serves others. True humility serves others. Jesus, as a servant, kept his focus on what God had for him. To accomplish in the midst of a crazy-paced life, what God wanted him to do. I want you to hear me say this morning that that Christ in you and me gives us the ability, no matter what we face, to still accomplish His will for us. So if you find yourself in the midst of a circumstance today that's beyond your wildest imagination, I want you to see where Jesus, who was in the last 24 hours of His life as we know it, still realized that His job was to show Christ's love to those around Him. I found a great paragraph that I want to share with you uh, this morning on the screen. It says this: Servanthood is the state, the condition, or quality of one who lives as a servant. Further, a servant is, first of all, one who is under submission to another. For Christians, this means submission to God first, and then submission to one another. Then as one in submission, a servant is one who seeks to meet the real needs of others or of the person he is serving. To put it in another way, servanthood is the condition or state of being a servant to others, of ministry to others, rather than the service of self. It means willingly giving of oneself to minister for and to others and to do whatever it takes to accomplish what is best for another. The head of the Passover meal. The leader of the band of disciples. Jesus the Christ appointed the anointed one rather of God. Jesus the teacher, the rabbi, with knowledge that was from God. Jesus the second person of the Trinity. The son of God. Jesus the Lord, Curios, the Lord of lords. No one above him. Jesus knew who he was. He knew the, that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. He is the one who chose to wash his disciples' feet. He who had every right in the world to say, I'm Jesus, the Son of God, you need to come and serve me. He knew that his disciples needed to see from him service directly relating to them. A number of years ago at Camp Mayfield, we we had a speaker come in from another state, and when he came, I didn't know him too well. He was a friend of my brother's, and and, uh, he was kind of a quiet guy, a real neat guy, and he came to share, and the first night he shared, he just didn't seem to really connect. It was like he was just really nervous and really not sure where he was going to be and what he was supposed to do, and so I thought, okay, you know, he's probably just the size of the crowd, probably a little bit intimidating to him, and he was a youth pastor, and, and so waited for the second night, and finally After the second service, I went up to him and I said, hey, how's it going? I mean, tell me about you and did you come here and what's on your heart and what's weighing you down? And he goes, John, can I ask you a question? He said, what do you do, like what's your job here at the camp? And I said, well, you know, just certain things. And I try to do certain things. And I said, I'll tell you what. I said, I don't usually do this, but it kind of sounds like you want to spend a little time. Would you like to come with me tonight at midnight? We'll clean the girls' bathrooms. So we went at midnight and he and I cleaned the bathroom and he just came alive. It was like he was a new person. All of a sudden, he realized, he said, this is, the most, this is the most awesome thing I've ever had to do to be able to serve this group of high schoolers in this way. And every night, we met at midnight. The is I was only going to do it every other night. But we met every night, and we got in there, and suddenly he's speaking because he was a servant, because he was a, a man who, who sensed the importance of serving those that God asked him to minister to, and it made such a difference. Who needs to see you and me serving them today? And, and here's the interesting thing. It doesn't have to be this glorious um, event or activity where I come in and say, I'm going to serve you. Aren't you lucky? It can be a very simple thing. Parents, you got kids who are struggling, who are not sleeping well, who are putting you in some pretty tough positions, and you just say to yourself, Lord, give me the ability to serve them in a, in a way that I never thought possible. It might be somebody you work with. It might be somebody you live next to. Somebody that you have a hard time with, it might be the fact that you have a chance to, to just say, you know what, what can I do for you? But, but there's all these variety of ways to serve. I mean, obviously you'd want to step in and say, you know, how can I help you? And say, hey, well, let me pay you. That's not serving. I mean, take the money if that's something the Lord wants you to do. But you begin to see that Jesus knew that his disciples needed to see it. Which brings us to the second point this morning, Christ's principles. Very simple statement here, but it says this, pride can miss Christ's intentions. Pride can miss Christ's intentions beginning with verse 6, chapter 13. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, just, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, a person who has had a bath needs only to wash his feet. His whole body is clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you. Interesting statement. Pride can really get in the way of of Christ to do some great things in our lives. Jesus, our servant, desires to show us his love more than anything, and we don't recognize it or refuse it because we are too prideful. What are you forbidding Jesus to do in and through you this morning? What has pride put you in a position where you cannot allow that to happen? Is it something that says, Lord, I, I'm, I'm just not good enough? And in a sense, that's pride because your pride kind of steers you in this direction to where you're not willing to step in and say, God, what do you want to do in and through me? Maybe your pride has convinced you that it's not really worth your time to step up and to serve those around you. And maybe it's, it's, it's put you in a position where you feel like I'm going to say nothing because my pride has got a hold of me. I either don't want to extend myself out and allow people to know what I'm really thinking or put myself in a position where when I say something, I'm all of a sudden stuck because I don't know what to, how to answer, how to follow through. Let me encourage you this morning to just say, God, get, get me off my, my comfort zone. Get me out of my comfort zone. Give me a chance to serve in a way that I never thought possible. He finishes it w- with another thing, and I like this because it's Christ's promises. This is number three. Follow Jesus and you will be blessed. I don't think there's a, a simpler statement that we can make today about what it means to, to be a part of Christianity. And we just sang a song that all your promises are yes and amen. And so what he says here, is beginning with verse 11 in that 13th chapter of John, he says this, For he knew who was going to betray him. And that was why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked him. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you, have, now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. The promise is you will be blessed if you do them. Even in the midst of challenging times, even in the midst of of Christ's life, knowing that he was going to face death, he said to his disciples, I love you so much that I want to wash your feet. I want to connect with you. I want to show you this loving act. And I want you to realize that as you connect with me, it will make a a difference. Can you imagine what Judas Iscariot was going through at this time? Think about Judas. He knew in his heart of hearts, he'd already betrayed Jesus. He already said to the the rulers and the soldiers, there's going to be a time, and we're going to get to that, where where I'm going to show you who Jesus is, and yet here is Christ washing his feet, saying, I love you. I often wonder if if John would have said to us, Jesus washed everybody's feet except for Judas, except for Judas Iscariot. And and that says to me that the the authenticity of Christ's love is for all of us. You've heard me say it time and again, Titus 2.11. For the grace of God brings salvation to all men, has appeared to all men. And that's for you and me. Maybe there's somebody in your life this morning that you have continually prayed about. And you're worried about them and you see them going in a direction that you know is not going to bring them into this blessing that God promises for those of us who love Him. In the sense of an opportunity to have forgiveness. To have our sins forgiven, to be cleansed and purified. and, And have the chance just to see this victory. And so you and I have been praying for them for a long time. And this morning he tells us that as we have a chance, he will bring servants into their lives. It might be you and me. Or we just need to have a step back and, in a new way. We tell them that Jesus loves them. That's a big decision. But I'm impressed with Christ. Because he knew he was going to die. He knew he should worry. He knew he should should think of all the things as a human where he's going to struggle. And he said, my most important focus right now are this group of men who I have been with for three years. I've been able to train them and share with them and and love them and show them these miracles. And now I want to do one one final opportunity to connect with them. If you've ever gone to small groups, sometimes you've been a part of foot washing. And foot washing is an interesting time. Because you have, to have, you have the ability to, to share. And I remember in seminary, the first time I experienced a foot washing ceremony, the guy who washed my feet didn't even know my name. And I felt really sorry for him. He was a very introverted guy. and He just all of a sudden stepped up and said, oh, I got this guy. That's what he called me, this guy. And so as he washed my feet, it was kind of interesting to see some of the things that the Lord kind of shared through him. It was really powerful for me. And we became good friends after that just because of what he shared about me in my life. I didn't really know if he knew who I was. But the ability to serve others makes such a difference. This morning, that's what Christ wants us to consider. He's giving us yet another chance to come clean, to say, you know what, I forgive you. You can experience his blessings by following through on what he set before us. My grandpa, Rudy Eller, had a farm in Montana in Montana in Iowa. My mom grew up in Iowa. And every summer as a family, we went out and traveled to, to Iowa and enjoyed our times with my Grandpa Rudy and my Grandma Irene. And one day, grandpa Rudy and I were sitting by a fence, and he, he had a, an amazing farm. It wasn't a huge piece of property, but it was very fertile, and I believe the Lord blessed him. He was a, and Ed, you can appreciate this, he was an old school guy. He had no big equipment. He had simple tractors. He probably even, at some point, had a couple oxen that pulled a plow. And his land repeatedly outproduced anybody else in the area. And, and when he sold it, it broke his heart when the guy that bought it from him first went right out and bought a $300,000 combine. Grandpa goes, I just don't understand that. So we're working on this fence one day, and he's just a simple guy that loves the Lord. He looked at me and he said, John, you know, I think the people around me just think I'm this simple old kind of stupid farmer. They don't really know what I'm doing. And It was really, it was kind of an eye open for me. I'm just, I'm in grade school listening to my grandpa. And He says, but I want you to know that he said, one of the things that I love is how God gave me the chance to make a difference for him, right? And he he used those exact words. Just after he said that, the phone rings, no cell phones in those days, youth, uh, from the farmhouse, we went in and answered, it was a neighbor, hey, my tractor's broke, so grandpa and I jumped in his truck and went over and he fixed the guy's tractor. But what stood out to me was, in the midst of his time, because we hadn't gotten the fence fixed yet, and we had some animals that were going to get out, he knew that there was an ability to share, and the guy we met was just an old farmer who just, just looked at us and threw a few nice choice words at us, but he was happy when, when grandpa fixed his tractor. You never know what God's going to ask you to do. You never know what he wants us to, to when he wants us just to simply say, how can I serve others? There's two verses that, uh, that I want to share with you this morning. I'm going to use them a little differently this morning, and you see them on the screen before you, and it says this, I desire to do your will. Oh God, your law is within my heart. And then I wrote, serve the Lord with gladness, come before his presence with singing. I put in bold these, these words, I desire your will within my heart. That's a challenge I want to give to you today and as well as myself. I desire your will within my heart. And then on the bottom verse, Psalm 102, serve with gladness. And I think that that the promise that Christ gives us in John 13, verse 17, when he says, do these, if you will follow me and do these things, you will be blessed. I don't know about you, but, but I want that blessing today. And the blessing comes in the form of seeing his kingdom furthered, maybe in a very difficult way. And some of the ways that, uh, that God asks us to, to serve are things that we may not want to do. But he tells us, you know what, if you do these things, you will be blessed. As we close our service this morning, two things are going to happen. In just a minute, the worship team is going to come and lead us in a song. And it's a great song. And as they're singing, as we're singing, they're leading us, the ushers are going to pass out to you a little piece of towel that I want you to take with you and put in your Bible. And this is going to be just a great reminder for me to learn how to serve one another. And to know that Jesus washed his disciples' feet. He used a towel to dry their feet. I'm going to take this towel, I'm going to put it in my Bible, and as I think about it, I'm going to say, Lord, would you again open my heart and my mind to somebody that I need to serve in a way that I've never thought possible? Let's pray together, and then we'll... uh, in a minute. Lord, thank you this morning for who you are. Thank you, Jesus, for in those last 24 hours, your ability to just stay true to what God wanted to do in and through you. Thank you that you gave us this great example of being a servant. And so as we finish today, Lord, would you just continue to remind us and reveal to us, first of all, areas that maybe for some of us that we need to be cleansed from, guilt or sin that you want to take from us. And then, Lord, for those people that you want us just to reach out to and serve and love. Thanks, God. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Would you bow your heads with me this morning and just in the closing time of our service, first invitation I want to give to you is uh, if there are those of you this morning that know that there's something inside you that that God needs to take from you, some sin or just uh, something that you want to say, Lord, would you forgive me? And that can come in several ways. One is, Maybe you've never heard anybody say, would you like to know Jesus as your personal Savior? So this morning, I'm giving you the chance to say, hey, come into my heart, forgive me of my sins, and, and from this day forward, I'm going to live for you. That, that's, that's you. Or maybe you just need to say, God, I need this sin to go out of my life so I can serve others. Would you raise your hand this morning to say, John, would you pray for me in that area as I allow Jesus to do that in my heart and my life? Yes. Yes, thank you. Yes. Holy Spirit, thanks for your presence today. Thank you for the honesty of those who just said, I need you, Jesus. I need you to take sin from my life. I need you to come into my heart. And God, my prayer this week is that you will just show us in tremendous ways how we can serve others and show your love. Thanks, Lord. And that's just not one day. That's all the time. We just see your blessings because your word promises it. And your promises are yes and amen. Thanks, Lord. It's in your name, great name we pray. Amen. You're dismissed.